You're listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to GI Insights, where we cover the latest clinical issues, trends, and technologies in gastroenterological practice. GI Insights is brought to you by AGA Institute and sponsored by Takeda Pharmaceuticals North America. Your host for GI Insights is Professor of Medicine and Director of the Digestive Disease Center at the Medical University of South Carolina, Dr. Mark DeLeggi. The Physician Quality Reporting Initiative, or PQRI, may seem like a massive investment of time and money, but its value to your practice cannot be underestimated. Joining us to discuss the Physician Quality Reporting Initiative is Ms. Mary Igo, CEO of Minnesota Gastroenterology and an MBA in Medical Group Management. Welcome, Mary. Hi. Mary, I have to ask, first of all, what is PQRI? PQRI is sort of CMS's attempt at getting at a reporting of data to define what quality is. Unfortunately, I think there's mixed feelings about what quality is, and if you go around the room, you're going to end up with 20 different viewpoints on it. They're actually doing it in a way, initially, with these measures to get at health management and cost and utilization issues, I believe, so that they can hopefully define what quality or, as I'd like to refer, value is somewhere down the line. Well, for the gastroenterologist, if we're looking at quality reporting or an initiative, from your perspective, what would be the best measures for us to use? I know there could be a lot of them, but what do you think? You really want to look at what are your top codes, what are things that you do all the time, things that you feel confident in that relate to the measures. I believe there's a hundred and some measures in 2008. The measures you should pick are the ones that you can get people to buy into. So for us, really, the ones that were sort of safe and felt comfortable for everybody, because we do a lot of patients, were the GERD ones and how they relate to patient care, also seemed to be the easiest. Selection of those was a great discussion point with the physicians to really get them to understand PQRI, to understand why we should go forward with it, and um, really feel comfortable with what the measures were. With regards to GERD measurements, were there specific questions or issues that you were looking at? Yeah, a couple of the PQRI initiatives, one in particular was assessment of GERD symptoms and really putting down what medications were they taking, were these particular things done for them, for the patient. Fortunately, CMS and the AMA both have a website that has the actual questions that need to be asked for each one of those measures. So it helps you understand where to go with it and how to implement it. From my experience, I'm a physician, so I'm in that pack. I know that if you ask a physician to document anything else, they are going to be resistant. So how do you engage the gastroenterologist or the physicians in your practice to actually participate? First of all, is an understanding of what PQRI is and where it's going. And I think in the marketplace, and particularly we're in Minnesota where it's a very consumer-oriented market and very consolidated, mature market, we're not going to be just doing PQRI. Performance-based measurements are going to be coming from all the payers sort of define what you're getting paid and your credentials for care and probably where you fit in the stratification 
as they start to layer things if you're in Tier 1 or 2 or 3. So it really is getting all of you to understand that it is something that has to be done, will be done, and either we get involved in it and test it and try it to have some input with the measures of their success or failure or they're going to be imposed upon you. So that was part of it. I think the other part of it is with your whole documentation thing, I understand completely when you ask for one more thing to be filled out. I think it is very onerous and difficult if you do not have an EMR. We're fortunate enough to have an EMR so we could program it so that the codes would signal when the doctors had to fill something out that went along with that patient. We didn't make that capability when we first did it in 2006, and we had, for two of the measures, we had less than 4% of our patients the data was filled out, and so we didn't get the money. But it was a great learning experience. You know, if you can tell me how to get people to fill out more papers than they already have, it would be a wonderful addition to my knowledge base. Well, it sounds like the pocketbook is the way to go, meaning if it impacts on what you'll actually be paid for the office visit or procedure, then you're going to get compliance. Would you agree with that? Yeah, the pocketbook and... Your referrals in the future are going to be governed by some of these quality measures. Need to get involved at the front line. Mary, do you see these becoming publishable? I mean, do you see patients being able to go and look up how their physician approaches a specific disease? I do. More from a cost perspective right now, and we actually have that in Minnesota. It's MainStreetMedica.com is a website that publishes the cost differences between different facilities and different physicians and different systems. And that's going to be out there from the third-party payers and eventually from the employers. Certainly is an issue with some of the self-insured people who are already handing out to their employees in our particular area cards that say, if you need a colonoscopy, you go here because it's less expensive and they have a great reputation. Well, it certainly sounds like a means to obtain what I would call best practices. You know, yes, best practices, as long as the questions are meaningful. A lot of physicians will tell me, well, listen, you know, sure, with GERD, there are proven ways you should be taking care of a patient, but what about the patient with abdominal pain? How are you going to tell me what's the right way to go about approaching that patient? You know, I was around in the era when there was cookbook, you know, I put that in quotation marks, the cookbook medicine, And it's really going to be to define protocols and processes in evaluating and working that patient up to what diagnosis you get. I think one of the dangers in abdominal pain, for example, is if you send an abdominal pain patient to a gastroenterologist, you may get a whole different set of diagnostic studies that are done than if the patient is with primary care. And I think that's going to be the hard part to sort of understand where are the primary care roles, where are the specialist roles, so patients don't have to get so sick and have much more expense before they get to the specialist or to actually the diagnosis. So I think that's going to be tricky. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to GI Insights on ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Mark DeLegge, and joining me to discuss PQRI is Ms. Mary Igo, CEO of Minnesota Gastroenterology and an MBA in Medical Group Management. 
Mary, I have to ask you, it sounds to me like you're going to have to have a physician buy-in for this and therefore a champion at a practice. First, am I correct? And then secondly, how would you go about doing that? Oh, absolutely. You know, this is a physician-to-physician discussion. I think we cannot, as administrative people, although we can set it up and implement it, we can't deliver it. You lose credibility because we really don't understand what goes on in the exam room and the pressures around seeing patients. And I think the physician champion, uh, again, the first year we did not have a physician champion in 2006. We put it out there. We put it into the EMR. There was a box that came up that said, need to fill these questions out. Somebody said, oh, you can disregard that. And pretty soon we only had, you know, 4.3% of the papers filled out. Year two, really sat down with the doctors and said, here's what this means, here's where it's going, here's the dollar amount, here's the reports that you're going to get, and here's why you need to do it. We're a very physician-directed, professionally managed organization, so it isn't hard for me to find a champion who will take this on, and I think we've had some people that are very committed in defining quality standards. You had mentioned earlier that having an electronic medical record or an EMR is easier because you have a screen pop-up to ask you various PQRI-like questions. But let's just say you have a paper chart or a practice that's just beginning to do this. How would they implement the process? As I said, with the AMA and the CMS, they have what I would call cheat sheets. Just little forms look very much like kind of a survey, a Google-type survey. And They have this so it can be put in the physician area where you're doing your charting. You would probably have to do one of two things. There's two different ways to submit data. You can submit it in a more focused pool of patients like 15 in a row, which will give you sort of the same thing as doing 80%, and there's different methodologies for some of the measures. But you would have to have something on your coding slip that if you checked this CPT code and this CPT code, then you needed to fill out that form. It would have to be something that jumped out, I think, to help the physicians understand when to fill it out. And it would be important to do it with all of the patients that fit into that category, not just the Medicare, Medicaid patients. I know there's a number of advantages of the electronic medical record with regards to data collection and accuracy of data. Sounds to me, from what you just said, that moving to an electronic medical record would make this whole process a heck of a lot easier. It would, and it really can start as simply as getting your practice management system to be able to trigger electronic charge tickets for you on those patients That would give you a better idea of when you need to submit this data. There's so many advantages with an EMR if you implement it in the right order that will help you with this and with quality data in general. You had mentioned CMS having some indicators that we could choose from for our PQRI. Do you see it in the future that the actual indicators will be dictated, meaning you won't have the option of choosing A, B, or C, but these are the five or six or ten indicators that you'll have to follow? I think there will be specific ones that will be defined for you. A stop smoking quality indicator is one that's being used as pay for performance for our primary care doctors. 
And that's really dictated to them. It's one of the health measures that they feel is so important and so costly to the system that that's a dictated one. I suspect that there will have to be some choice because certainly one group may do different things than another group does. Some gastroenterology groups don't do endoscopic ultrasound. They don't do liver disease. Some of those kinds of things that would, you know, eliminate them being able to fill out those PQRI initiatives. And so there would need to be some choice. Once you have this information, how do you follow the results and what do you do with it? That's been a little bit of a trick. July 1st is the first time that the results have been posted. They are posted both from the practice perspective and from the individual perspective. You have to go in and apply to be able to get the reports. It requires you sending in a form. They send the form back to you with a password on it, and then you can go in and obtain your results. The important thing with this is to give the results back to the individual physicians, both from their individual results and how they compare to their peers. That's where it really stimulates the conversation that allows you to say, what do you do different and how can I do this better, which I think is what you guys are all after. I would like to thank my guest, CEO of Minnesota Gastroenterology and an MBA in Medical Group Management, Ms. Mary Igo. Ms. Igo, thank you very much for being our guest this week on GI Insights. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. You have been listening to GI Insights on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. GI Insights is brought to you by AGA Institute and sponsored by Takeda Pharmaceuticals North America. For additional information on this program and on-demand podcasts, visit us at ReachMD.com and use promo code AGA. Takeda Pharmaceuticals North America is proud to sponsor this important and quality programming for ReachMD listeners. Takeda does not control the editorial content of this broadcast. The views expressed are solely those of the guests who are selected by the AGA Institute. Based in Deerfield, Illinois, Takeda Pharmaceuticals North America is a wholly owned subsidiary of Takeda Pharmaceutical Company Limited, the largest pharmaceutical company in Japan. In the United States, Takeda markets products for diabetes, insomnia, wakefulness, and gastroenterology, and is developing products in the areas of diabetes, cardiovascular disease, and other conditions. Takeda is committed to striving toward better health for individuals and progress in medicine by developing superior pharmaceutical products. To learn more about the company and its products, visit www.tpna.com.